0: on uh, on new year's day we were with my parents up in the Panhandle of Texas. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Panhandle. There's not many trees. It's flat. You can see a long ways. The only thing of interest we have in the Panhandle is called Grand, uh, called the Paladuro Canyon. It's the Grand Canyon of Texas. And it really is quite the spectacle. Anybody ever been up to Paladuro Canyon? They have a musical up there called Texas. It's an incredible thing. If you ever get a chance, go there. Well, my wife and my kids had never been. Mom and I went years ago. I was probably Caleb's age the last time that I went. And so we decided, you know, we didn't have anything to do on New Year's Day, so we took off over to uh Paladora Canyon. And my kids kept talking, you know, what's a canyon? What's a canyon? When we flew into Amarillo, we looked down and, and Rachel actually thought it was mountains. Caleb was like, look at all those mountains. I said, dude, there's no mountains in the panhandle. That's a canyon. You know, that goes the other direction. And so we decided to go look at it. And it is this fabulous place. Now, ever since Caleb has been able to walk and talk, he has wanted to climb a mountain. We used to go up to the mountains in, in uh Colorado and New Mexico and what he would call a mountain, you know, was about like this tall and he thought that was sufficient. But no longer, as we're going down, you know, winding down in the and there's miles and miles in this canyon, you know, it's probably about thirty miles long and there's all kinds of roads you can drive and there's all kinds of paths that you can walk along. And so as we're driving down, you know, it's it's steep and all this stuff. My kids are going, oh, this is cool. They became obsessed with climbing something. And so, you know, I'm remembering when Caleb was younger and Hannah's five, Rachel's eight and and Caleb's almost 11. So I remember um, when Caleb was younger, you know, just a small foothill would be all right. So we go walking on these trails, miles and miles of trails down here. And so we walk on this one trail and my kids love rocks. If it's shiny, they think it's cool. One time I'd gone away and I didn't. we were in the middle of nowhere and Caleb said, Dad, did you bring me home a present? I'm like, dude, there was not even a gift shop around. He goes, couldn't you find any rocks? You know, my kids just love rocks. And so we're picking up shiny rocks and we find this thing that's, you know, probably 15, 20 feet high. And I'm thinking that'll suffice for a mountain, you know, it'll be all right. Get up there. No, 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 that's not good enough. We're driving around and Caleb keeps looking up at the rim of the canyon. Now, (laughs) the rim of the canyon is like 3,200 feet vertical climb, you know, but Caleb's like, Dad, I want to climb that. And so we go and we park, and we're with my parents, you know, my parents don't get around all that well anymore, and so they decide to stay in the car, and we decide we're going to walk along this one path. Caleb said, that's the mountain I want to climb, so I said, we'll climb part of the way, we'll have a good time. So we start climbing, and we get up on this one area, and it's it's probably 7,500 feet above this little river over on this one side. And it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. On the wide part of the path, my kids are running around, having a good time, just uh, laughing, cutting up. But then there was one area that it was, you know, about this wide, right next to the cliff, where you would fall down into the river 100 feet below. And everybody acted totally differently when they got next to the edge. Janie reacted. She became obsessed, you know, with safety when we got there. And and Hannah became a koala bear. She climbs up on my neck and just wrapped around and had the death grip on me. Daddy, hold me, daddy, hold me, daddy, hold me as we're going up along this thing. Well, we get up on the top of it, you know, and then we, we walk up this other area. We, we probably actually climbed about a thousand feet of this 3,000 foot summit and we're all dying. The last part, you know, we're bear climbing. Hannah's on my back at this point. I am really dying bear climbing so we can get up on this rock and say that we've climbed this certain area. Well, the reason I tell you that is because people are radically different when there's lots of space, when there's lots of safety, than they are at the edge of the cliff. You ever been next to the edge of a cliff? Kind of freaks you out, doesn't it? Mom and I, years ago, we were in Seattle, Washington, and we were up on the Space Needle, you know, that big thing up there? And, and it wasn't a big deal when we're looking around the outside, and I don't know how high that thing is, you know, 1,500 feet or whatever, that it's up in the air, and we're looking around, but there's thick glass. As we're getting back on the elevator to leave, there's a gap about this uh, thick between the elevator and the platform. Well, I look down and I'm like, dude, mom, check that out. My 75 year old mom, her knees buckle, and I have to catch her and and carry her on. I'm like, sorry, mom, you know, I didn't know I was going to have to do CPR. I just was saying, look, you know, this is kind of cool. People react differently when they're on the edge of a cliff. Why is that? Because they don't want to go over, they don't want to fall. And here's the point. We're talking about finances. A lot of people are living on the edge of the cliff financially. And they're about to fall off. They're about to go over. And people who go over into the darkness, they are relying on credit cards and and they're relying on, on bankruptcy. They're relying on other things to bail them out. And sometimes that does not happen. Sometimes they don't get bailed out. And so what we want to talk about today is how to stop living on the edge. And you want to know how to get away from the edge? Move! One small step at a time, move away from the edge so that you build a wall of protection between you and falling off into that black hole of debt. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, when the Bible talks about getting in shape financially, the first step is to lose weight. We talked about that last week. Losing weight financially means getting out of debt. But just losing weight is not the same as building strength. So today we're going to talk about the second step that is required. And that is that you have to build strength. And when the Bible talks about building strength, it's talking about um, building muscle. It's talking about savings and investments. And I know a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear that. A lot of people think the Bible has this negative view towards money, that it's evil and, and that it's a bad thing. But that's not true. Uh, the Bible is not against the accumulation of wealth. It's just saying that wealth should not be the primary concern of our lives. Now, didn't Jesus say, I hear somebody say, didn't Jesus say, don't store up treasures for yourselves on earth, but store up treasures for yourselves in heaven? Yes, He did. But He wasn't saying, don't save. He's saying, get your priorities right. And so, we'll talk about that in a second. Now, I have a... uh, I actually have a twenty dollar bill. Now, this is a rare thing for me to have a twenty dollar bill, but I have a twenty dollar bill here and I just need to ask you some things about this twenty dollar bill. Um, does this have a personality? No, at least not a very good one. You know, I've tried to talk to him, doesn't talk back. Um, does this uh, is this evil? Is it good? It's neutral. What determines whether this twenty dollars is evil or good? How I choose to spend it. Very good. You guys are playing well. You're doing a good job. Now, Jesus talked a whole lot about money. In the New Testament, we have 38 stories or parables. They're called parables. They are are application points. Jesus told these stories and they had a point to them. 38 parables. 16 out of his 38 parables have to do with money. In the New Testament, we have 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, and over 2,000 verses on finances, on the way we handle finances. So don't tell me God is not interested in how we use our money. He devoted much of his Bible to the proper attitude towards money. So in one of Jesus' most famous stories, he uses an investment analogy. And it illustrates how important it is that we take care of what God has given to us. Now, in the story, each of these three guys is given a sum of money. The one who gives the money says, go out and manage this well. Take care of it. It's my money. I want you to manage it well. And uh, two of the guys instinctively knew that they were supposed to go and invest it and have a return on that and give it back to the, the owner when he came back. Um, and one of them just sat on the money. So the two that did what they were supposed to do, they invested it. They got a return on it. When, when the master comes back, they give him his money, and here's what the master said. He says, good job. That's exactly what I wanted you to do with that money. You managed it well, and you brought back more. Good job. The third guy, though, did a bad job. And here's what happens with the third guy. Matthew 25. Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowance for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I could have gotten a little interest. Now, Jesus is illustrating the wastefulness of this guy. In the message translation, it says this. Jesus says to the first two guys, good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. But the last guy, the one who just buried it in the ground and hid it, Jesus says, I want no partnership with you. You are not on my team. Well, what does the Bible say about savings? If Jesus isn't against it, if he told stories about its usefulness and he held it up as a high value, what does the Bible say to us specifically about savings and investments that we can apply to our lives today to become financially fit? Well, Let's just look at a few verses real quickly. Proverbs 6, 6 through 9 says this. Look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So pretty, pretty, uh... Straightforward there. Look at the ant. The ant takes care of itself. The ant's not real smart. I think the implication is, let's use our minds and let's do like the ant does. Proverbs 21.20. This one's on your listening guide. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Proverbs 21.5. Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Savings is something anyone can do, and and it doesn't take much to get started. In fact, um, when we were talking about this, We thought about Sandy Gleason and uh, I interviewed her about some of the savings she's done. Listen to what she had to say. Today, I have Sandy Gleason with me, and Sandy is um, our expert in nursery care. And so, she's not a first time guest, as she just said, but she uh, works with our children and uh, she's been in our church since the beginning. And just want to ask her some things about savings today. Sandy, when I was thinking about this savings, I, I remembered you have done some projects around your home just by saving. What is one of the projects that you've
1: done? The deck out, out back. Um, we used recycled lumber and we saved, I saved rolled change. And
0: you said you used to get, where did the, the change come from?
1: Every time Rick empties his pockets and puts his change on the desk, it goes in my bank.
0: And so how long did you have to save to, to get enough money for your day?
1: Oh, probably three or four months.
0: And what did you do at McCoy's? You tell me something about how you got the, the wood.
1: You go and you look at their manager specials, and sometimes they have bundles, and if you buy the whole bundle, it'll be $10. And so if you know ahead of time, you can just start buying a $10 bundle here and a $10 bundle there. We have $30 in our bank account back.
0: $30, and... That was for materials. You did all the labor.
1: I did. I pulled all the nails out of the old wood, and I did all the labor. Rick helped me screw down the boards.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, you said also um, you've done several other projects around your house. What, what all have you done with your savings?
1: Paint All the painting and wallpaper came from the world of change, and it adds up really fast.
0: What is the longest amount of time you've had to wait for a project? To save up.
1: I saved for a year, a long time ago, for my kitchen table and chairs. It wasn't in the budget, and I wanted it, and it was
0: $1,600. Now, you didn't just do change for that. What else did you do to help make some money for that? I painted.
1: I did arts and crafts, and people were out there and wanted it, and so I sold it for a whole year.
0: So that you could eventually get to I pay a
1: table and fixed chairs.
0: So what would you say to some of the folks who are out here that Um, Maybe they say, there's no way I can save money. There's no way I can do any of those things. What words of advice would you have for them?
1: Save change. Loose change. And if you go to Herschel's every day of the week, only go two days a week and pocket the money that you would normally buy a drink with. But just saving the change adds up in a hurry. You just have to be disciplined. Put it in a jar and don't roll it until you're ready to... Take it and buy what you want to get. Don't roll it ahead of time. Just keep saving it.
0: So savings for you is a good deal. It's a great deal. Now, if you knew Sandy, Sandy hates speaking in front of people. And uh, so I said, we'll tape you. And she still got sick and almost threw up before we did it on the on the tape thing. But, you know, I said today, I asked her how she was doing when she came in. She said, oh, I'm fine. I said, see the magic of videotape. You don't have to be sick and you don't have to get up in front of people. Um, but she has done all kinds of things. She does lots of labor and uh, Rick does lots of labor with her. There's a lot of honeydews. do's. But I, I was impressed by the things that she's done around her house. Um, just by saving change and being disciplined. And, uh, you know, she said early in their marriage, they didn't have any money. They didn't have sixteen hundred dollars. So she became creative and she figured out ways that she could save that money and buy the table and, and chairs that she wants. Um, so, well, let's look at why save. Let's look at, at why we need to do this before we actually get into some things you can do. Number one, savings frees me from earnings pressure. Savings frees me from earnings pressure. How many of you have had to work two or three jobs at, uh, at times just to make ends meet? Let me see your hands. Now, I've got to say, Matt, I see you over there, Matt. Last week, you know, I had you all write some stuff on the back of your, your registration cards, and I always get a kick out of Matt's. So I'll be sure to read his. and. Uh, you know, we were talking about debt and, and whether you're ready to get out of debt, whether you're happy with your savings with, you know, with your money situation, if you're ready. So a lot of people are saying, I'm not happy with my financial situation. I'm ready to change. Well, Matt writes on the back he is I have no money, I have no job, I have no debt. So um, Matt's in a good situation right now. Uh, you know, he's going to have to I don't know how you're going to get the change to save if you got no money, you know, to spend and, and get changed. But um, savings frees us from those pressures to earn. Um, not The folks who plan and save, they don't have the pressure on them that other people do. Now, I want you to think that, that you're on a, a beautiful beach. All right? Imagine this. Beautiful beach. Here it is in winter. Of course, it's 80 degrees. We've had, what... 25 record days in, in you know, the last few weeks. Um, but let's imagine you're on a beach. And out on this beach, you see these buoys. They're out a certain uh, distance away. And the lifeguards tell you, you can swim anywhere inside the ropes, anywhere inside these buoys. You don't have to worry about it. If you go on the other side of the, the buoys, however, there's a dangerous undertow and there are man-eating sharks. So can you go the other side of the buoys? Sure you can. You can make that choice. Is it a wise choice to do? No. And so what we're saying is if you will set up a spending plan, it is like swimming inside of the the safety zone and you'll be able to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. So that's what we're talking about today. A spending plan just sets up safe boundaries and a foundational principle of life. I don't know if you figured this out or not, but a foundational principle of life is this. There is no true freedom without limits. Heard a story one time about a guy talking. Uh, he was flying and somebody comes in and tells him to land on this uh, highway Land the plane on the highway. And the, the pilot says, no. And the guy says, well, you're being narrow minded. He says, no, I'm being smart. I'm going to go land on the runway that was prepared for this plane. All right. So what we're talking about is being smart and using our money in in wise ways and having limits that protect us financially. Now, if you were laid off or your income was seriously um, reduced, how long could you survive? Would you lose your house? Would you lose your car? Most of us, everything is okay as long as that next paycheck comes in. But God forbid if that paycheck does not come in, we are in some serious financial trouble. God tells us how to proceed financially. And what He says is, save he says you want to know what my how i'm going to provide for you in the future save pay attention and save and it will relieve you a lot of stress now the second thing that savings does for us is it prepares for my future savings is money you keep for your future in fact you do spend your money you just spend it in the future you spend your savings in the future I told you last week about the Freedom Account where you set up um, a monthly account for your non-monthly expenses. So at the end of this month, all of my taxes are due. I don't pay into an escrow account. So we have to have a monthly amount that goes into our Freedom Account so that at the end of January, that money is there and we write that check. And it, the reason we call it a Freedom Account is because it frees you from the pressure. I, our regular checking account would not be able to to withstand a $2,400 check at the end of this month. But our Freedom Account can do that. But a Freedom Account is also where you provide for other other things. For example, I have a a, uh, a refrigerator that's 10 years old. What is the average lifespan of refrigerators? About 10 years. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Alexis. Alexis, Yes. From from appliance sales and service. Thank you, ma'am. She knows those things very well. Exactly 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, You got it timed, don't you? There's some kind of bomb that goes off in there. But 10 years now had had I started at the very beginning and said I was going to have 10 years before this, this refrigerator was going to go out, and if I were to set aside a monthly amount so that at the end of 10 years I'd be ready for that, you know how much a month it would take me? $8.33. If I set that aside in my, saving, in my freedom account, at the end of 10 years, when this bomb goes off and my refrigerator bites the dust, I go down and I see Alexis and say, give me a $1,000 refrigerator and I'm set up. But we're not usually ready for that, are we? So that's what God is saying is we need to prepare for the future. The third thing savings does is allows me to join God's work, allows me to join God's work. How often has God brought somebody across your path that you would love to help and there is no funds in the bank to help them? Um, It's happened lots of times to me. Many of you I know would gladly give extra money to the church to to meet a need. You know, we we did 75 students at um, Northside Elementary School this year. We bought presents for them. We did a a couple of things uh, for some other folks. And a lot of you gladly do those things, but you'd do more if you had the extra funds. And what if the Good Samaritan... What if the good Samaritan had not been a planner and a saver? When he came across the guy, you remember what he did? He picked up the guy who was injured, took him to an inn, a hotel, took care of him, bandaged bandaged him up, gave him medicine. And then at the end of that time, he said to the innkeeper, go ahead and take care of him whatever expenses he has. When I come back, I'll pay you over and above. He planned and he saved and that's how he was able to do that. The only way is, is if you have a plan and you stick with it. Number four, savings can help protect my relationships. All right. A little bit of truth telling real quick. How many of you have ever had fights with your spouse or with somebody over money related issues? Let's come on. The rest of you are (laughs)
1: lying. Okay,
0: that is the number one issue in marriages is fighting over um, financial issues. And so. If you if you had the power to remove one thing that that caused stress in your marriage, would you do that? Or are you the type of person that says, you know, we don't have enough to fight over in our marriage. We need a couple of good, another good categories, you know, to really get into it. And so we would really prefer to fight over finances. Now, if that's you, this message is not for you. Just excuse yourself, go on down the steps and go on home. But if you'd like to remove it, then we need to do some things and make some choices so that we can do that. 1 Peter 5.8 says, control yourselves and be careful. The devil, your enemy, goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to eat. Satan is looking for any area of weakness in your life and he will pounce on that like a lion and he will seek to destroy you. Let's make some choices where we remove that possibility from him. Number five, savings helps develop my character. Savings helps develop my character. Last week, I told you that God uses money as a tool to grow us up. He also uses money as a test. Jesus Christ's words right here. Not my words. Jesus Christ. Luke 16. Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus is telling us right here. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. When we show faith in little things, then we prove to God that we can be trusted with larger things. God can teach us contentment. He addresses issues of greed, of self-image, of patience, trust, all through money, doesn't he? Ever been humbled through money? Yeah. Jesus said at age 12, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? The whole purpose of this whole series is let's get about God's business and let's do it in a way that brings glory and honor to God and reaches more people for Christ. That's what we're supposed to be about as a local church. Number six, savings provides for my family. Savings provides for my family. I remember the first time I ever read this verse, it kind of startled me. Listen to this. First Timothy 5, 8. Whoever does not care for his own relatives, especially his own family members, has turned against the faith and is worse than someone who does not believe in God. When I save, I don't mortgage my kids' future and my grandchildren's future. I provide for them and that's what the Bible requires. God wants me to work and provide for my family. The Bible says if a person won't work, let him not eat. So working is is portrayed as a good thing in the Bible. But let's provide for our, our kids and their kids as well. I want, I want to provide for my kids' needs, and, and occasionally I want to give them nice presents. But one of my greatest responsibilities, I feel, is to raise my kids to do the 10-10-80 plan. 10% they save, 10% they give to the church, and 80% they live on. If I do not teach my kids that, who's going to? Most kids that go to college that you know of, have they been, been prepared financially? To make wise decisions. No, and, and the, the credit card companies know it. That's why they pounce on you. <laughs> Matt's done good. <laughs> no debt? All right. Keep that up, buddy. We'll keep cheering for you. That's a good thing. We've got to, we've got to realize that our, our uh, choices today reach far beyond eternity. And, and we're going to invest our money somewhere. Why not invest some of our money in our kids' future And let's invest some money in other people's future so that when we get to heaven, it's this incredible reunion of people that we've helped lead there, both with the way we live and the way we handle our finances. Well, okay, let's uh, let's figure out how we build a nest egg. Once again, the Bible gives us the secret. Here it is. And it's the only way that that. Well, I'm just going to say it this way. It's the only way anybody in this room will ever achieve wealth because I'm just I'm not even. Uh, counting, you know, the lottery and all of that stuff. Um, I don't play that. If you do, you know, that's that's your choice. But you're not going to win it. So let's say the only way any of us are ever going to achieve wealth is what the Bible has to say in Proverbs 13:11. Money earned little by little will grow and grow. That's the secret. You know, like stink, man. I was hoping it's something easier than that. You know, the secret is money earned little by little. Let me show you how this works. Let's just take a couple of examples. I think this is on the on the screen. If you take a couple in their mid-30s, and if they could save $10 a day, each of them could save $10 a day, um, five days a week, that would be $200 per month, $2,400 a year, $4,800 together. All right? Now, don't even worry about whether you can save $10 a day yet. Just get that out of mind. Just watch this deal. Now, if they were to invest that in an IRA or something, and they, they leave it there until they retire at 12% interest... You know how much money they would have when they retired? $1.4 million. All right, now let me show you something. Let's take a 25-year-old. That was a couple in their 30s. Let's take a 25-year-old single man and all he does, or, or she does, a single woman, all they do is they, they save $200 a month and put it in the same account, getting the same interest. You know how much money they'll have at retirement? $2.3 million at 65. That's a little better, isn't it? That's the magic of compound interest. Einstein said uh, compound interest is the greatest invention of man because it allows the the common person to achieve wealth. Now, that's the secret of, of Proverbs 13, 11. Over time, money compounds and over a lot of time, money compounds a lot. Now, there's a rule of 72, and you might want to just write this down. This is this is how you can figure out how long it will take your money to double in any account that you have. All right? What you do is you divide 72 by the interest rate that you're getting, and that tells you how many years it will take you to double. So 72%, if you're going to get that, you're not going to get that very often, only if you're lucky. 72% would take you one year for your um, money to double in interest. 20, uh, 36%, it would take you... Um, Two years for your money to double. You see what you do? You take 6% and take 12 years for your money to double. That's what happens. So somebody who has more time and less money, they're going to end up making more money in the long run because of the magic of compound interest. Now. There's no tricks here, no sleight of hand. I'm not making this up using some crazy computer or some crazy calculator. This is time plus interest. Lots of you have lots of time until you retire if you'll just put back a little bit. Now, let me just say this. Those of you who thought you couldn't save $10 a day, let's just ask a couple of questions. How many of you went out to eat at least one time this last week? Let me see your hands. Some of you are like, I know where this is going. I'm not playing. Um, I don't want to do this now. How much did you spend on average that time you went out to eat? I went out to eat twice this last week and in total, um, I spent twenty five bucks. That's a pretty good start. You know, that's that's I'm, I'm on my way if I don't do those things. I didn't have to go out to eat so Wednesday night. Janie was taking the kids to Awana and I was hungry and. Sheps is right down the road. So I call her and say, hey, baby, what are you doing? I'll, I'll buy you Sheps. And she's like, sure. You know, so we go. And, we didn't have to do that. Don't go shopping when you're hungry either. You make bad decisions when you go shopping when you're hungry. I used to do that in college and we would get up there and not have enough money, you know. And oh, can't have that. Can't have that. Pop Tarts, they're important. Got to have them, you know. Toilet paper. No, we don't need that. <laughs> Just the school, you know, you go to the school. Now, here's something that's amazing. And this is one principle that I want to teach my son and my daughters. If a 14 year old, this, I wish I'd known this, because I'd have done it. I'd have done it just to see, just to watch this. If a 14 year old were to earn $2,000 a year for five years, 14 through 18, and put that into an interest bearing account, and leave it there for 50 years, leave it there till they're 68, they would be a multi millionaire. So, you know, that's, they've they've made 10 grand, and that's possible for kids. Mow lawns! I made all kinds of money and I don't have anything to show for that today when I was that age. But if they did it for five years and never put another dime in this account and left it for 50 years, they would retire. uh, Where is it? Three point nine million dollars. Now, I've been reading a lot lately and a lot of a lot of folks will say, well, a million dollars just ain't what it used to be. Is there anybody here? If you had a chance to get a million dollars, you'd say, nah, don't want it. It's not what it used to be right. So if we can make some smart decisions now, follow God's principles, God will show us the way to wealth. Money earned little by little achieves a great deal. Well, let's let's just write this down. Four things that I want you to write down. Here's what I want you to start with. First thing that you need to do is start with a 30 day reserve emergency fund. So just 30 day reserve fund. Because I know some of you talk to me, and I know some of you do not have enough money. If you were to lose your job, you could not make it 30 days. So let's start there. 30-day emergency fund. Number two is begin your debt reduction plan. We talked about this last week. And uh, you can get the tape, or you can go online and, and listen to that. But we can give you... And by the way, there is a, there's a budget plan at the back. If you want to take it, it's a one-sheet plan. Just fill that out. It takes less than 10 minutes to fill out. You can't get where you want to go if you don't know where you are to start with. Number 3, build a savings fund of 2 to 6 months income. All right? 2 to 6 months. Then if you lose your job, you are not under pressure to immediately find something and take whatever job you have to to take out there. I know that stuff. I've swept floors before. When I was the only English speaking person sweeping floors, I've done that. Number 4 is long-term investments. Long-term investments. If you'll take these steps and be diligent, you've got to be diligent. You've got to be disciplined. Best thing I ever did, first full-time job I had in, in ministry, I took 10% of what they were paying me. And back then, you know, they were paying me about twenty two dollars or $23,000 a year. But I was single, and so I took 10% of that, and I put it in um, my retirement. It's still there. And I've, before this church, I've only had um, two full time positions where I got benefits, where I got retirement and stuff like that. And so there's about 10 years of my 21 years that I have been in ministry where some of my retirement has gone. I mean, some of my my package, my salary has gone to retirement never more than 10 percent. And so it hasn't since I've, since we started this church, there hadn't been any retirement. Um, the seven years I was at another church previous to this, there was retirement the years before that there wasn't retirement. But we have about $70,000 in savings, in retirement savings that we can't touch until I turn, you know, 59 and a half, which is sooner than than I want to admit. Um, but if I leave that there, if I if I just get 11 percent interest and I leave it there, then we will retire. I will retire. And I don't ever actually plan to retire, I plan to die. You know, I'm, retirement's not the goal of my life. But if I go until I'm uh, until I'm 70, actually leave it there until I'm 70, we will have one point three million dollars. Now, if we add to it, then it goes up again. I'm saying that was just simply making a decision years ago to take 10 percent of of what I was making, put that into a retirement savings account. And it is possible. Now, some of you are saying it's not the the stock market over the history of the stock market has returned a little more than 11 percent. Now, that averages out because, you know, in the 90s, it was going nuts. And, you know, since then, it has not gone anywhere. It's been pretty flat. But over period of time, it returns about 11% and that's, you're not going to get those types of things anywhere else. So make some wise decisions with your money and begin investing. Now here's the principle and then we're done. This principle, anything you need in less than 10 years, save anything that you need. That's greater than 10 years away. Invest because compound interest begins to work for you. Your money works for you instead of you just working for your money and wondering where that money went. Now, I want you to take your registration cards, if you would. There should have been one on your chairs or they were passed out to you. Um, Here's what I want you to do. Fill that out real quickly so that we'll have um, a record of you being here today. And then we we like to have you make some type of, of response to what you've heard. So when you finish on the front side, turn that over to the back. And I want you to write these words. This week, I will. All right, everybody can write that. Before I give you the responses this week, because I thought about giving you 30 days and I thought, no nah, way, because if I give you 30 days, you know, like if if you say you're going to start dieting in 30 days, whatever, you know, you've you've forgotten it after 30 days. And I thought that's too long. So I said, we got to make some decisions if we're going to get out of our debt situation, if we're going to start building muscle financially and saving, we got to make some decisions. So I said one week, that's plenty. That's plenty of time. All right. So this week, I will hear your four responses. I will start on my budget. Got the forms back there at the back. So if you want to do that, write that down. This week I will begin saving something, even if it's just a pocket change. That is awesome what all Sandy has done and she's just incredible. This week I will set up a rapid debt repayment program. You can just put RDRP. And that's, if you don't know what that is, come see me. I'll be happy to show you how to do that. I can show you websites where you can go. You can actually put it on the website. You don't have to put any of your information on there, so they never know who who set that up. You can print it out and it shows you how to get out of debt as quickly as possible. And then your fourth option, this week I will do nothing. <laughs> I figured let's be honest. You know, let's give you that opportunity to say, nah, not gonna do it. And I said this last week, but some folks are not ready to budget. Not ready to have a spending plan because they're quite honestly they're not in enough pain yet, and when they get in enough pain, then they'll be ready to make a change. What we're going to do is I'm going to let the parents um, who are going to have their babies dedicated today. I'm going to let them go ahead and slip out right now and go downstairs. Even if your baby is not going to be dedicated, but you uh, but they're down in the nursery, we need you to pick them up because both of our nursery workers will be up here because they've got relatives that are they're going to have their uh, their grandchildren or, or relatives dedicated. So y'all go ahead and, and slip out and do that. Now, what we do with your registration cards, we have a basket at the back that we call our joy basket. Put that in there and, uh, and we will have a record of that. And, and I pray for you. If you have a prayer concern, write that on the back. I'll, I'll go through those and pray over those during the week. Let me tell you just a couple of things that are going on. Tonight at Celebrate Recovery, we have Chef's Barbecue. Everybody's invited. If you will bring a two-liter bottle of pop, whatever you like to drink. That's the only thing we ask. we got dessert. we got beans and potato salad and all of that. We want folks to come. Child care is provided. So we want you to come to that. Two other things. Next week... We have baptism at the end of the worship service. During this time, we will have baptism. If you are uh, interested in being baptized, I want to talk with you about that. There's a sheet you can sign up on back there. The second thing is next week is 201, Class 201, Discovering Spiritual Maturity. We have about 20 people, or actually 20 families or something like that signed up. So that's going to be a good time next week. Um, food and child care is provided for that as well. All right, so we're just going to hang out a minute. How's life? Doing all right?